Last week, we had our annual meeting. And at the annual meeting, we voted to approve our first group of elders. It is myself plus these three men sitting over here. Uh, I was hired about four and a half years ago, and I had a service of people coming up and praying over me as the senior pastor. And I really do view this move to elders as inviting these men to be pastors with me and as a church to ordain these men and to commission them to be pastors with me, to lead and guide and shepherd this church. And so that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to formally commission them. We're going to do so in prayer. I think a vote is wonderful for, for taking a, a poll, for understanding is this where we believe God is leading us. But I don't think we can stop there. I think the final step is going before the Lord's throne and saying, Father, you lead us as we move in this direction and calling down God's blessing upon these men and challenging them in prayer before the Lord God Almighty to lead us as elders in this church. So that's what we're going to be doing. And I said earlier that the sermon today, I'm going to preach to these three men and the rest of you get to listen in. I say that often at a wedding. I'm going to talk to the couple. And I do that very intentionally. How often do I get to just talk to a a young married couple or about to be married couple and charge them? And it's an interesting thing as a pastor because you often think, who's going to be in the service? Has somebody invited a friend? What are they going to think? And I thought about this this morning. What if somebody brings a friend and this is the only sermon they hear? And I thought, you know, sometimes it's okay to just eavesdrop on godly people speaking about godly things for the glory of God. And I hope that that's what this is this morning. That being said, as I did say so earlier, if if you're visiting with us today and checking us out as a church, this will be an unusual service. So come back, hopefully, at least to one more, and see what we do. Uh, But I think and I pray you will get a lot out of this. But mostly, like with a young married couple, I want this service to serve as words that will ring in the heads of these three men. I want it to serve as a charge and a challenge to them. We've been speaking for a month now, and really for many years, about what it means to be elders. Today will be the final service in that series. But what do we leave with? What do we want these three men to be thinking about as they start? I want to start with Ephesians 20.28. Paul tells the the Ephesian elders to keep watch over yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock over which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. The shepherd of the sheep have a goal. The goal is for the good of the sheep. It's to get them from one place to another, to feed them, to protect them, to fend off wolves because there's a purpose for those sheep, to provide clothing and to provide food for others. That shepherd has a purpose for those sheep. And that purpose guides him as he shepherds those sheep. So I want to talk a little bit this morning about what your purpose will be. What is going to be your purpose as you shepherd these sheep, these people, these children of Christ, what does this look like in the church? In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11, Paul is talking about refuting uh, false doctrine. And he says this, 
He says he's going to lift up sound doctrine, and he describes sound doctrine in verse 11 as that which conforms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. I think of Paul saying, I've been given this gift and this weighty responsibility. Christ has given me the gospel in my own life. He's been entrusted with that, to give that out to other people, to teach them and to lead them. That is a huge and high and holy calling. You are today, as shepherds of God's people, being entrusted with the gospel to feed this flock. And you must be asking yourselves constantly, what am I going to do with that? What is my role as being one entrusted with the gospel? How do I lead and feed and protect in that way? In another place, 1 Timothy chapter 2, he he says, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, These things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So here's Paul saying, I've been entrusted with the gospel. I think there's very much an implication that he's saying to Timothy, this is what you've been hearing from me. And now he's saying, you need to pass that on. I see in there a cycle of shepherding. You are being entrusted today with a high and holy calling to shepherd this church according to the gospel. So we're going to look at a few truths of the gospel today that I believe really shape how you're going to shepherd. And they're difficult things. And I want to give you a few things to remember as you start this work. Okay? Number one, I want you to remember you are a sinner. I tell this to newlyweds as well. It always gets a laugh out of the congregation. You are marrying a sinner today. Today, people of God, you are commissioning a sinner to be your elder. Elders, you are being commissioned as sinners to guide and direct these people. I say that not to put you down. I say that to give proper perspective. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. It doesn't say there's no one righteous except the elders. Accept those super Christians. Accept those people that you've put hands on and prayed for. Well, they're holy, but the rest of you are a bunch of losers. That's not what it says. says There's no one righteous, not even one. So while we have gone through a process to make sure you are mature in your faith, that you are godly in your conduct, that you understand scriptures, it does not mean that all sin has been eradicated from your life. And I have found more than any other truth in my ministry, a constant reminder to myself, I am still a sinner, keeps me in check. And I charge you with that today. Remember, you are sinners. And you did not fix yourself. You did not make yourself righteous. You cannot sit here today saying, look how far I've come. Look at what I have done. Look at the studying I have done. Look at the ministry I've done in the past. You cannot stand on any of your own credentials this morning. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So when you are tempted, and you will be, I promise you, to say, I know how to do this. I've got a great idea. If they would just listen to me, this will happen and it'll be great. In those moments, stop and say, wait a minute. I am a sinner. It is only through Christ that people are made righteous. Your sin means you must rely on Christ daily, constantly, 
It's like breathing in and breathing out air to say, I am a sinner. I need more of Christ. I am a sinner. I need more of Christ. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do some things. You have some good common sense. You can read leadership books and apply them. No, it says apart from me, you can do nothing. I pray as elders every time we meet that we can remind ourselves of that. Let it drive you to stay strong in the Word of God. Let it drive you to cling to Jesus Christ as your only hope of salvation. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so as you lead, remember this. Remember your own sinfulness. One of the things that that will do is it will drive you to the authority of the Word of God. Because you will remind yourself, I pray, as we remind each other, they don't need me, they need Christ. And Christ is lifted up through his word. So they need more of the word of God. It is the only certain and infallible truth. Never rely on your own marred and distorted common sense and experience. Those things can help. They can give us some direction. But it must be informed by the very word of God. Let your understanding of your own sinfulness drive you to God's grace. You're going to mess up as elders. We're going to mess up as leaders in big and small ways. We need to cling to the gospel of God's grace that says this is not just about me, it is about him. So even in my mistake, I need to make sure I'm pointing to him. You need to let it drive you to the gospel of God's grace because you're going to need that grace over and over and over again. Seek to grow in that grace. You need to let the understanding of your own sinfulness drive you to point others to that same grace and not your own leadership. Your role as an elder is never, ever to make much of yourself. In fact, I would say it's just the opposite. It is to make little of yourself that Christ may be lifted up. These people out there ultimately don't need you. They haven't been waiting on pins and needles for you to come and rescue them. They're not saying we have an elder. They're saying we have a savior. You become great as you point them to the greatness of Jesus Christ. And that's it. And you do that primarily through service, through humility, through study, through agony and tears and prayer, through difficulties of these people maybe not knowing what you're going through on their behalf, but you do it for them. And you say, God, whatever it takes to point them to the gospel of your grace. The moment you point to yourself as a leader in this church, and you claim that authority for yourself, in and of yourself, you cease being a shepherd. And you become an idol. And that is very, very dangerous. So remember that you are sinners. But don't ever stop there. (laughs) Because you'll never be able to do anything. Remember that you are saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy 1.11, Paul calls the gospel, this gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God. That God's glory is summed up in the gospel. And that of all the things in this whole Bible that point most to God's glory, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news, the great news of his death, burial, and resurrection. 
The gospel's all about the glory of God that created us, that saved us, that makes us holy, that calls us to be with him so that he is glorified. Let's all open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to look at verses 4 through 6. That is not the right passage. Oh, the dreaded thing that all pastors fear. Hmm. I think it's chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Sorry about that. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Now what this says is that if we want to understand the glory of God, we need to look at Jesus Christ. And if we want to lead others to the glory of God, we need to lead them to Jesus Christ. But I believe it also tells us a bit about the cross. I believe that the greatest moment in all of history, when God's glory was most poignantly, specifically, and greatly on display, was when Jesus, his son, died on the cross. God chose to make his glory known by crushing his son and putting him to death on the cross, taking our sin and putting it upon him, and then raising him from the dead for our salvation. That shapes how we serve. It means that often the greatest way that you will bring glory to God is by suffering for these people. Sometimes you will suffer so that they don't have to. Sometimes you will suffer because they are suffering too and you will enter into it with them and grieve and mourn with them. Sometimes, unfortunately, you will suffer because of them, whether it be accusations or gossip or misunderstanding. But always remember that it is in your sufferings that the sufferings of Christ can be lifted up. And that's what people need to see. They need to see God's glory. And also remember that in that, all of that has to point to Jesus Christ. People need Jesus. That's the good news that they need. That's the great news that they need constantly. They need the gospel The gospel defines the purpose of the shepherd. The gospel is what calls us to lead these people. The gospel is what we lead the people with. It is in the preaching and the teaching, the administration of the gospel, the counseling that is based on the gospel, the rebuke that is based on the gospel. It is through all of that that we lead. 
The gospel shapes how we lead them. It is through selflessness, not self-righteousness, humility, and even suffering that we will lead them most to see Jesus Christ. Finally, I want you to remember one more thing. Remember your sin. Remember the gospel. And I want you to remember these are God's people. They are not yours. I challenge you as you lead in this church, when you speak to other people, try to eliminate from your vocabulary the phrase, my church. It's hard because it's easy to slip out, and I know what we mean by it. But try to change that to the church that I serve. It will make a huge difference in how you think. And frankly, for all of us, the church where I gather for worship, the people that I serve God together with, it's not my church. It's not your church. It is Christ's church. Colossians 1, 15 through 18 says this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. When we can surpass Christ in that amount of power and authority and wisdom and grace and mercy and love, we can claim it's our church. You'll never get there. And in the meantime... And constantly remember, it is not your church. These are not your people. These people are not here for you. They are not here to serve you or to do what you want. They are here for Jesus Christ. Just the opposite. The shepherd exists for the sheep. Not the other way around. You need to lead these people to Christ. In one sense, this will make your job much more difficult. It's easy to lead by bullying and bossing and setting yourself up as the perfect leader. That's easy. Don't take the easy way out. It's easy to simply put others down or make yourself so smart that they have to follow you. That's easy. It's easy to condemn those people that disagree with you as being foolish or ignorant. That's easy. It is much more difficult to lead knowing only Christ is perfect and you are simply an under-shepherd leading his people. But in another sense, this makes your job much easier. The success or failure of this church, the success or failure of God's plan from Genesis to Revelation does not rest on your shoulders. You are not taking on that pressure today. The success or failure of the gospel rests on Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And he is very good at accomplishing what he sets out to do. And so in that sense, the burden of success is lifted off our shoulders. And that causes us to run to him and to depend upon him. That burden was borne by Christ on the cross. Our burden is to be faithful to the gospel of that truth. A gospel that will never truly fail and whose outcome for God's glory, according to God's absolute word, is certain. You're being invited into the very plan of God today. What a joyful place to be. What a humbling place to be.
But being entrusted with the gospel is not easy. Because you are shepherding sinners, you will be misunderstood. You will face difficult accusations. Sometimes you will face truthful accusations for mistakes or misspoken words. Your decisions will be questioned often. I know these things because all of those happen to Jesus except the mistake part. And when Jesus says, come follow me, he doesn't say, come follow me and you're going to experience something completely different than what I am. He says, come follow me. And you're going to go through the things that I go through. Remember that as you shepherd. Remember that you are just a helper to the great shepherd. But being a helper is amazing because as you step up into leadership, as difficult as it is, you're going to see God's power at work in ways you've never seen before. You're going to see God's power at work as the gospel changes lives and you will get a bigger picture of Christ and his kingdom because of it. You will get to see hope brought to hopeless situations. And it's a glorious thing. You will understand in a greater way Christ's love and Christ's work as you grow in your leadership. As you make mistakes, and you will, even in your mistakes, face them with humility and point to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Admit the mistake. Admit if there is sin. Claim the grace of Jesus Christ. And even in that, even in how we get up from falling down, we can point others to Jesus Christ. Remember that your role as shepherds is defined by being entrusted with the gospel, the gospel that is ultimately all about the glory of God. I've spoken with the three of you about this before. Being entrusted with the gospel of God's glory means you are always in over your head. And it's good to feel that way because it helps us to look to and to run to Jesus Christ. And finally, one day you will not be sitting here. One day it will be another group sitting up here. And maybe it won't be me commissioning them, but somebody else. How are we going to lead in such a way that when they sit up here, their focus is on the gospel of Jesus Christ? How are we going to lead in such a way that maybe even one of the teenagers or young adults out there will be equipped to sit in this seat and to take this charge and to lead the people that fill this auditorium then? Shepherd in such a way that the people of Christ are built up in the gospel so that they will rightly handle, or rightly handle the gospel that has been entrusted to them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we move now to a time of commissioning these men for your service, I pray your blessing upon them. God, I thank you for the gospel that shapes us, that drives us, that equips us, that guides us. May these men keep the gospel first and foremost in all of their thinking, all of their dealings with your people. So that when people look at them and look at the elders of this church, may they be pointed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's only there they can be saved. It's only there that they can be made holy. It's only there that they can be made into shining examples of your glory. And that's what we want, Father. Protect these men. Encourage them. Instruct them. Challenge them. Unite them as we unite together with them. 
that we may be able to say it's all about Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask Dan Doucette, Dan Keenan, and Dan Lansbury, if you would come up here and join me on the platform. We've put together some vows for the elders to make a commitment before you. And then in a moment, I'll ask the members to stand, and you will make a vow as well. We do this when we have members join the church, and we think it's appropriate to do the same thing uh, as we commission this group of leaders. So I will ask you each question, and you just answer, I do, if that is the desire of your heart. Do you reaffirm your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the only hope of salvation? I do. Do you believe in the scriptures of the Old and New Testament Do you believe that they are the word of God, totally trustworthy, fully inspired by the Holy Spirit, the supreme, final, and only infallible rule of faith and practice? Do you sincerely believe in our statement of faith, our core values, and our mission to make and become fully devoted followers of Christ through the renewing and transforming power of the gospel for the glory of God, and promise that if at any time you find yourself out of accord with any of these, You will, on your own initiative, make known to the other elders the change which has taken place in your views since your assumption of this vow. Do Do you commit to do your best to live lives above reproach so as to maintain credibility within the church and to win the respect of those in the community? Do. Do you promise to be zealous and faithful in promoting the truths of the gospel and the purity and peace of the church, whatever persecution or opposition may arise to you on that account. Do Do you promise to lead the people of Orchard by teaching them to feast on the word of God through your words and actions, protecting them from harmful teachings and division, and caring for them by responding in times of difficulty? And do you now commit to serve the people of Orchard as an elder, to oversee the ministry and resources of the church, to devote yourself to prayer, the ministry of the word, and the shepherding of God's people, relying upon the grace of God in such a way that Orchard Community Church and the entire church of Jesus Christ will be blessed. If you're a member here, if you would please stand. To the members, do you, the members of Orchard Community Church, acknowledge and publicly receive these men as elders as gifts of Christ to this church and submit to their leading and follow these men as they follow Christ? If so, say, I do. Do you commit to pray for these men and work together with them humbly and cheerfully, giving them all due honor and support in their leadership so that by the grace of God, we may together make and become fully devoted followers of Christ through the renewing and transforming power of the gospel, For the glory of God, if so, say I do. Would you all stand with us? It was a Jewish custom when they would pray for somebody, since they couldn't necessarily all get around them, to just lift up their hands. If you'd be willing to pray for the elders, this is weird for you, you don't want to do it, that's fine. But if you would just reach out a hand, it's a way of joining in together. Heavenly Father, we have commissioned these men. They have taken vows before these people. Most importantly, they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and chosen to step up in leadership, to lead according to that gospel. May today, in the weight of the hands that were put on their shoulder, in the weight of this moment, ring in their hearts and their minds and their ears as they remember, I have been entrusted with the gospel. And may they shepherd this church accordingly. 
as long as they are able, Father. May we lovingly hold them accountable. May we lovingly and respectfully ask questions to say, why are you doing this? And lovingly listen to the responses that we may say together, we are bringing glory to Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray, amen.